Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Have you ever looked for something in the wrong place? A few times, 100,000 times. Um, there's an old, old song that's kind of probably before my time, uh, so that's telling you it's old. Um, and it's called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. You know, you can look for stuff thinking you know where it's at. Um, my father-in-law has a special gift of losing stuff. And I'm not going to say that he definitely passed it down to my wife, but it's a very strong possibility. It's a very strong possibility. I won't say that. Um, but he, I mean, he can lose stuff. And I, I, I wasn't around at this point. This was back when they were kids, I guess. And they told me this story that is just hilarious. He lost his wallet. And that, that's a terrifying thing, right? Because that's like your whole world. You lose everything. You know, this might not be as much now because everything's digital. But back then, man, everything was about your wallet, right? Licenses there, credit cards, money, you know, all this sort of stuff. They're looking all through the house. They're tearing up everything, looking in their cars. I mean, you know, looking under couch cushions, looking to see if it fell inside the couch. You know, he can get a little rip in the, the, the support or whatever. I mean, they're looking everywhere, everywhere. Also, he likes to snack. And there's nothing wrong with that, but he likes to snack. He likes, you know, different things like that. And uh, he's a snacker. And they're searching, they're searching, they're searching. Well, it, this whole day's going on. They can't find his wallet anywhere. He's starting to like, just like, okay, this is, this is it. I've lost my wallet. I've got to get new everything, right? Almost like restarting life. And uh, Miss Sharon, uh, my mother-in-law, it's about time for her to make dinner. And she's going around getting stuff straight in the kitchen. And she opens the refrigerator. And his wallet is sitting on <laughs> the shelf in the refrigerator. This man was so intent on finding the right snack at one point, he left his wallet in the refrigerator. He's just like, I don't need money as long as I got my tender vittles, you know, whatever it is. I mean, he's like, you know, my beanie weenies, I don't know what he's getting. Those are in a can. They wouldn't be in the fridge. But anyway, it's easy to think, okay, I know exactly where I should be looking and be looking in a completely wrong place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We've been talking about reset, and we've been talking about some things that might be a little bit different, might be a little bit foreign to you uh, when it comes to your faith. It might be things like... um we talked about Sabbath, you know, finding some time to rest, and we talked about the fact that that's not like it was in the Old Covenant where it's like you have to do nothing on Saturday, but it's good to find some time in your week where you just mentally, spiritually rest, and physically as well, but that spiritual rest, putting God in the center of it is so important. And so we talked about that. We talked about last week, one that's really, really hard for me, we talked about silence, because even though I can be quiet, there's one part of me that's hardly ever quiet, is this part in here. You know, there's a lot of room for those thoughts to bounce around, and so they bounce around a lot. And it's hard for me to be silent and be still. And so we talked about that. Today, we are talking about one that's a little more basic, but still forgotten. We talked about hurry sickness to start it all off. And if you weren't here, that's basically just the idea of our lives are so fast and so fast-paced, and we never calm down, we never slow down, we never rest, we never get quiet. And so we go about in just this frenzied pace, and it can even affect our, our physical health, it can affect our hearts. And so we talk about that hurry sickness, and there's one key component that I want us to talk about today, and that is the Word of God. 
Because what we do, most of us, even believers, even people who love God, we try to do all the answers and find all the answers ourselves and say, well, I'll just take a little bit out of my schedule, but then we don't, right? You know, we just go right back to the same thing. We try to do the newest self-help craze to try to get our life calmed down and, and try to defeat this hurry sickness. And a lot of times, all we do is address the symptoms, right? We don't ever address the, the root of the problem. And so we're looking in the wrong place to try to defeat this hurry sickness and gain that strength and that rest we need, and that place is the Word of God. So here's what I want you to understand. If you truly want a reset in your life, if you really want a reset, now I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody's right there right now because there have been plenty of times in my life, even as a preacher, where I have not truly wanted a reset because of what I have to give up to get that reset. And I've tried to limp through, and I've tried to do it on my own, and I've tried to put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. That just don't work, right? I've tried to do those things to fix my situation, and it does not get any better. Many times it gets absolutely worse. So the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy. He's a preacher in Ephesus. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Ephesians, he writes to Timothy, and he tells him a couple of things. He writes two letters to him that we have recorded in Scripture, and he reminds him, he says, look and go back to your faith that you got. You, it was inherited to you through your mother, I mean, your mother and your grandmother. Your, your grandmother and your mother handed your faith down to you. So you've got those examples. And so that's a good place to start, right? We all need somebody to look up to. Can I pause and tell you something real quick? Some of you um, are newer to the faith, or you feel like, I just don't know much about the Bible, and so I can't have any impact on somebody. You are absolutely impacting somebody. Hopefully, it's in a good, positive, godly way. And no matter where you are, you've got the ability to pull somebody up to the rung of the ladder that you're on. I'm not talking about we're climbing our way to God and earning and getting closer to God. I'm not talking about that. But somebody who's gotten, you know, a little bit farther along the path, there's somebody that's behind you that you can pull up to where you are. You may not be real far up the ladder, so to speak, but you got somebody you can pull up. There's always people looking to you. So he had his mother and his grandmother that he could look back to that were pillars of the faith that he could trust. But here's what Paul says that is of vital importance in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He tells this young preacher who's dealing with a lot of false teaching, a lot of false teaching. He tells him, he says, don't forget the legacy of faith from your mom and your grandma, but here's where he really gives him something he can cling to in difficult times. 2 Timothy 3, 6, verse 16, 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, learn, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. He said the Word of God, right here, the Word of God is the most powerful thing that you have because the Word of God, the Bible is inspired, it's breathed out by God Himself. And it's, a, it's useful for teaching and correcting, rebuking and training and righteousness, all these things. He said, this is what you need. Because I, I'm telling you guys, I don't know if you realize it. I, I try to mention this from time to time. But lately, my heart, my heart has been heavy. Because this world is so full of false teaching. 
And I'm not just talking about in terms of like salvation. I'm talking about things that other people would say are not quite as important, but honestly, a lot of them, all of them are important. We've got to, as believers, ground ourselves in the Word of God. The Word of God. I mean, you cannot get on social media and without seeing somebody who's got a following telling people, well, this is what the Bible says, but that's not what it means. And they listen to them because they've got a certain amount of followers behind them. And they're like, oh, well, you know, if people listen to them, they got to be right. What did Jesus say about big crowds? Look out, you know? He said, beware when all people speak well of you. If everybody's agreeing with you, there's a good chance that you might be in the wrong. He said that many, you know, will find this broad road that leads to destruction. He said, but the ones that find the narrow road that leads to life are few. And so we've got to make sure that we're studying God's Word, and that's what Paul told Timothy. Have you ever read uh, a memoir, an autobiography, if you will? You know, somebody who wrote a story of their life, you know, um, you know, they get there and they tell a lot of times all the nitty-gritty details, you know, and you're getting that first-hand perspective of their life. If you think about it, the Bible is a lot like a memoir. It's God's— telling of his story about himself as he interacts with his creation, his people. And he writes this story, and he gives it, and yes, does he write it through people? Yes, absolutely. But he is the author. And when you read this memoir of God, you really get to know who God truly is. You really get to know who God truly is. It reveals and it shares himself. You truly get to know God, not just an idea of God. And if I, if I can get you to wake up, I know some of you are like, oh, this is going to be such a boring message, but this is foundational. Many of us, even believers, have an idea of God, but don't really know God. Because many times we have our faith that's just based on what we've seen maybe our family do or what people in our church have done, and we never ever get into the good Word of God and get to truly know who God is. And so therefore, we're starting with a, with a faulty premise when it comes to God. So Paul says that all Scripture is inspired, is what one version translates it, where it says, breathed out by God. That's the, the word that we get inspired from. And you know, when, when we hear the word inspired, we think of like inspirational, right? You know, where something really gets you fired up or passionate about something. And, but that's not what that word is referring to. What it means is, is this. Inspiration is the overseeing by the Holy Spirit of the recording of Scripture so that the message is passed without error in the original manuscripts. So God gets involved in the process, speaks through His prophets, if you will, as they write down His words, His story, and He gives them what they need so that it's the Word of God and the Word of God alone. The original manuscripts that you find in Hebrew and, and Greek and Aramaic. Now, I will go ahead and tell you, if you get on Amazon and you start downloading or, you know, buying uh, Bible translations, not all those translations are inspired. Actually, the translations aren't inspired, so they get human contact and they can get a little bit confused. There are versions of the Bible. I I'm just putting this out there. I'm not going to call him by name because I would get him confused because there's a billion and a half of them. But there are versions of the Bible that literally change Scripture. 
They change not just the way it's told, but the meaning. And that is a sin straight from the pit of hell. It really is. And so you've got to be careful. But God inspired the original writers of Scripture. There's also Revelation. And that's not just a book in the end of the Bible. Revelation is this idea, the truth that God discloses about himself through the Scripture, through the Bible. He reveals himself to us so that we can know him. And so, in the Bible, as, as the events are occurring and happening and they're being recorded, uh, sometimes, you know, of course, at a later date, God was revealing himself over time until he fully revealed himself in who? Hey, when in doubt, you can always say Jesus. That, that's the answer. Jesus, you know, when I was a kid in Sunday school, you didn't know what was going on. Sunday school teacher calls on you. Jesus, uh, well, good enough, close enough, you know. He revealed himself fully in Jesus. So we got the full picture and bodily form of who God was when Jesus came on the scene. And one of the greatest reasons, one of the greatest reasons that we need to study and dig into Scripture is this. Because you and I have to heal the broken images that we have in our minds and our hearts of God. God just wants me to try harder. You know, a lot of people think that. He just wants me to bear down and try harder to be a good person because I've got to be a good person if he's going to love me. And that's, what it, and that's wrong. That's false. But that's a broken image that a lot of us have, whether we realize it or not. We have other ideas. We have, some people think that God's just angry with them. He loves everybody, sure, whatever, but not me. And I fall into that one many times. I, I, I bounce in and out of that one sometimes. God's angry with me because I know, I know so much better, but I still make mistakes. Or some people think God ignores me. You know, God doesn't listen to my prayers like he listens to that person. He doesn't listen. And, and we think sometimes, we're like, well, if I'm suffering, that means that God is not for me, that God is not with me. But I want to challenge you with a difficult, but I believe truthful, bound in Scripture idea that if you are suffering— that is actually more evidence that God is with you because he is trying his very best to call us to himself because Jesus has paved the way. And if this world is so good, and if this world was so good without flaws, without faults, we would never seek after God. And we would go through this life zippity doo die, all happy, and never think once about God because let's be honest. When do you do more praying, when things are going good or when things are going bad? When things are going bad is when we normally pray. And so if everything's good, we can quickly get into a place, not everybody, but most of us get into a place where we quickly forget God when things are going well. And so if he did not allow, now he, I don't believe he causes bad things to us. He doesn't hurt us, but there's sin and death in the world. And so this world is, is messed up and evil people will make bad choices. And even people that we think of as good will make bad choices. But he allows bad things to happen to give us pain to help draw us back to him because he is the one who one day hey, y'all listen to this it's a good time to wake up he will one day wipe every tear from your eye he will one day completely rid this existence of sin and death 
He will one day have no more cancer, no more pain, no more death of a loved one. There will be none of that, and it will be good. But he has got to draw us to himself for us to come under the blood of Jesus so that we can spend that eternity with him. All right, y'all got to listen quicker. I got to get through this. So... (laughs) So our images of God can be broken. We think God's angry. We think the Bible's just full of thou shalt nots. We think it's all about punishing people just because they're not perfect. But the true image of God is this, is that God created us, each of us, with gifts and abilities and talents. Even though you might not think that you have a talent, you've got something that God placed in you to help glorify Him with a purpose, and you have value in this life. And then even, this is what's crazy, when we broke our relationship with God, you know, Adam and Eve kicked the ball off, but you know what? If I'd have been first, I'd have done the same thing. And we each sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so when we did that, when we broke our relationship, He sent His Son Jesus to earth to live and to die in our place and to rise again to give us eternal life. And we see all this in Scripture. God is loving. God is trustworthy. God is sacrificial. He stands for us and up against those that threaten us. He he takes a stand against the bullies of sin and death, and he punks them. I mean, he punks them, y'all. I mean, he tells them they have no power. He absolutely destroys them. Right now, they still got a little bit of hold, but if, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've been covered by the blood of Jesus, you do not have to fear death. Don't threaten me with a good time going to heaven and seeing Jesus. I mean, that's the way you need to look at it. That's the way I need to look at it. Am I always there? No. But that's how I need to train my mind. That's how you need to train your mind. So here's a way to sum that part up. Revelation is what God said and did. Inspiration is recording what God said and did. So now that you've got this um, theological training, (laughs) what do you do with it? What do you do with it? As you're attempting to implement these practices like rest and silence and now scripture, what do you do? How do you actually allow these things to reset your life? All these practices, rest and, and silence, you know, they have to be grounded in the Word of God. Because you know what could easily happen, and I sort of talked about it last week when we talked about silence. It's not like a Buddhist mindset of I'm going to empty myself, like transcendental meditation, where I'm just going to empty, boom, you know, and float on a plane, not, not like an airplane, but you know, the spiritual plane. It's not that. That's not what it is. Here's what it is. Silence is not emptying your mind in the way of Eastern mysticism. It's silencing the voices of this world to ready yourself to hear the voice of God through his word. That's what we talk about, silence. So it has to be grounded in the word of God because that's the way that he speaks to us, through us, clearly. And so for the last little bit of time together, I want to look at four reasons why we should be grounded in the word of God. Paul tells Timothy in that passage of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, there's four reasons he gives that are good reasons for us to read the Bible as well. The first one is this, the Bible teaches us what we need to know. He said it's useful for teaching. It teaches us what we need to know. We talked about hurry sickness. You're going to hear that a lot for these next, you know, a couple, one more week. But the lack of sleep that we have in our lives, real good sleep, you know, smartphones, we've talked about several times. Many of us, the first thing we do before we go to sleep is what? Scroll. First thing we do when we wake up, take that phone up, 
Scroll. We never quiet our minds. We never have a moment's peace in our heart. And so that's our solution for these things. The Bible teaches us, the Bible teaches us how to live and how to deal with emotions and how to, how to work, how to share, how to live in a world that is, is so full of pain and so full of heartache. How do we respond and deal with grief? How do we deal with betrayal and abandonment? How do you deal with difficulties? And I, I love this is God all over it. Sam, when he was sharing his communion talk, he, he talked about James 1, verse 5, and that's a, the verse that I sort of want to draw your mind to, is he says, you know, you get wisdom in how to deal with difficult circumstances, with trials. You get that only through the Word of God. You get it through the Word of God. It won't come naturally because it's almost unnatural for us. We have to listen to God's Word. The Bible shows us where we've gone wrong. It uses rebuke or reproof, depending on what translation you might be reading. How many of y'all like getting a rebuke? You like somebody correcting you? We don't like it. It's painful. I mean, if you want proof that we don't like it from a very early age, try correcting a two or three year old. And you will see the devil come out sometimes, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no! You know, and it's like, mm, child, no, I'm not, I'm not advocating it. I'm not advocating it. Just kidding. Some of y'all are like, Phew. but we all wanted to. <laughs> but the Bible shows us where we're wrong. Um, as a guy I know that years ago, before everybody had GPS in their car, went on this trip with his family, he was like a young college student. And they went down to Florida, spent some time at Disney, and they're driving on their way back up to North Carolina. And uh, everybody took a uh, turn driving, you know, and they're falling asleep, and he's driving along. And after everybody sort of dozed off, he decided, man, I got to use the restroom. I know they all used it recently, but I'm just going to pull off real quick, use the restroom at a, you know, at a convenience store or whatever, and hop back on the road. I'm not going to wake everybody up. So he does that. He gets back on. He comes on to the on-ramp for Highway Interstate 95, and instead of turning north to continue on to North Carolina, he turns south to head back towards Florida. And he is driving, man. He's like, I'm making good time. Woohoo! You know, he's making good time. And all of a sudden, his dad is waking up and he's like, Dad, look, we're almost to Jacksonville. It had been like two hours. And his dad's like, Two hours? How we already made it to Jacksonville, North Carolina? And they looked and it's Jacksonville, Florida. They'd driven two hours in the wrong direction. It's not fun to realize that you were on the complete wrong path, is it? But if somebody loves you, they're going to tell you, right? They're going to warn you. And that's what the Bible does. It warns us that we're heading in the wrong direction. And if we want to get where we're going, we've got to what? Repent. Turn around. And so that's a difficult thing. Nobody likes to hear it. it you know, thankfully, I'm sure he was thrilled to death. You know, his dad was, I'm sure, loving that. But when it happens in our lives with our sin, it's painful. But we want somebody to point us back in the right direction. And the Bible, if you're in God's Word, can privately rebuke you and protect you from public disgrace. It'll stop you. If you're listening to God's Word, it'll stop you before it gets so far down the road that you ruin everything that you touch. You know what I mean? But hey, can I, y'all are smart, but can I make this crystal clear? Because I know how it is. I've been there. You have to be in the Word of God regularly. I didn't say that word correctly, but you got it. You have to be in it all the time. 
Because we will quickly get that broken image of God in our brain and think, this is the way that God wants to relate to me. But he's saying, no, this is the way I want you to relate and live your life. So you get rebuked and you turn things around. The Bible offers solutions to our problems. How many of us love when somebody comes to us and points out a problem and doesn't offer to help? Nobody raise their hand. If you have a habit of doing that, stop, stop. Nobody likes it, nobody likes it at all. If you see a problem, especially like in a business, an organization, or a church, or anything like that where you're working with other people, you come and say, here's a problem I see, but here's how I wanna help try to get it fixed. Otherwise, zip it, you know? Even if you can't personally fix it, say, well, here's what I think, you know, God's Word says to do, or, or you know, here's what I think we should do. Or, I, I don't know, I'm willing to help out, but let's help out. The Bible doesn't just point out problems, it also helps us fix them. The Bible will correct us, but it will also point us back in the right direction. And here's the deal. If you are digging into the Word of God, you can sit there and understand that God is going to help you be mature and grow, but it will be uncomfortable at times. If you are looking for a life of ease and comfort, I'm going to just be honest with you, Christianity is not the way. Because it is fighting against everything that this world is trying to force you into this funnel. And, and God, through the Holy Spirit, is saying, no, no, turn around and go back the other way. It might be hard to go against the grain, to go against the flow, but you need to do it. Um, I did not get braces. And if you've seen me, you know that to be true. I was, I'm just old enough that not every, it seems like everybody gets braces now. I think my mom was like, man, this kid's got the total package. If he has a perfect smile, it's just going to be. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but braces are painful from what I've been told, right? I mean, it, it can be painful. They're, they're, they're moving your teeth, right? But it's for a purpose. That pain is for a purpose. It's helpful. And especially if you've got a real serious situation in your mouth, it can be really detrimental. If you don't get those teeth corrected, it can mess up your jaw. It can mess up everything. And so braces might be painful, but they help you get in the right direction. They help you get aligned and straight. And that's what the Bible does on a much deeper, more important level. Sometimes the Word of God can be downright painful in what it causes you to straighten up in the, 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 the boundaries and the, the direction that it plays on you, but it's always for your good. It's always for your good. So be in the Word of God. And it'll help you develop a strong faith. And the last one is this. The Bible helps us to become spiritually healthy. The Bible helps us become spiritually healthy. This is the time of year, we're still in January, when gyms are full, right? You know, if, if you're a regular gym goer or, you know, you're somebody who hasn't been going to the gym, you show up to the gym and, man, there is no room. Um, I, I go to Planet Fitness uh, here in Nightdale, and the thing that's funny to me is up on the counter they have a jar full of Tootsie Rolls. I'm like, really? I've heard that in the old days they used to have slices of pizza out. I'm like, man, they're just creating business, y'all. That's all they're doing. But, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get healthy and you, you got the money to hire a trainer, I'm not, I'm not trainer money type person. I'm like workout plan off the internet type person, YouTube videos. But if you got money to hire a trainer or you download a, a workout off the internet, those things are to keep you accountable and on track. They tell you things that you don't want to hear or they get you to do things that are uncomfortable and difficult, but it trains you to be strong. It trains you to get yourself going. Because the truth is, especially if you hire a trainer, 
most of us are going to want to lay in the bed or on the couch. Am I right? Just this past week, I got together with Emrys. I, I, I put the word out to a group of guys if you might want to try to get some workout partners going. Emrys teamed up together with me, and this past week, we met at the gym at 4.30 in the a.m. I was not aware that that was a time. We met at 4.30, and we're working out. I mean, unless I'm going fishing or something, that's, I don't realize it's 4.30 in the morning. But we got there, and I'm telling you, if it had just been me saying, oh, I'm going to go at 4.30, Bobby wouldn't have been going. Gym's still open. Gym, 24 hours. <laughs> but I, I would have gone later, but I love it. The few times that I've done that, I've done that on my own a couple of times, honestly, but not regularly. When I go, I'm glad I did. But that accountability of knowing I got to meet him there is what got me out of the bed, especially that particular morning. And so when we have the Word of God in our lives, it provides that accountability and points us in the right direction and helps us get spiritually healthy. The Bible trains us to live a counterintuitive life that honors and seeks after God. Because that's what a trainer does. That's what a workout plan does. It gets us to go against our natural desires and go back in the right direction. So the question that I sort of want to wrap up with is, where do I begin? We talk about Bible reading a lot here uh, because that's what we do. We want to know Jesus. But here's just a few quick things. You can get involved in a Bible reading plan with us as a church family. We, we put one up very regularly. Sometimes they're five days, sometimes they're three, sometimes they're 10, sometimes they're 20. But we put up Bible reading plans. And here's one way you can find them. There's a QR code for our church app, and they're always posted there. If you want to take a picture of that with your phone, it'll take you to a link to download our church app. If you don't have that, give you a second. I don't see phones moving. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That means you all have the church app downloaded, right? Okay, that's good. That's all right. Well, here's another way. We'll show you another one. YouVersion. YouVersion Bible app. There is our church profile where we also share what our Bible reading plan is. If you want to get a link that should take you to that, if it for some reason doesn't, then just search Movement NC as in North Carolina, and you, it should pull us up. And you can find and, and see what our Bible reading plan is every time. You'll have people that will they'll comment. They'll share things that stood out to them. They're usually very short. Here's another idea. If you want to do something a little more long-term, read through the book of Psalms. A psalm a day will take you 150 days. Now, spoiler alert, a spoiler alert here, Psalm 119 is a doozy. It might take you two or three days by itself. So it might be 152 or three days. But you can read a psalm every day to dig into God's Word, to get a long-term habit going in your life. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can start with the Gospel of John. Read maybe a, a chapter or half a chapter a day, and that'll help you get to know who Jesus is. If you want to know how you need to start your walk as a Christian, you can read the book of Acts where it records the beginning of the church and so many people coming to Christ. You can read through the book of Acts um, on your own pace in your own time. But here's the deal is that when we want to truly reset— when we want to truly reset, it has to be grounded in the Word of God. Because as we mentioned before, you have to consider, do you know about God or do you know God? And that's a question that you've got to answer for yourself. Do I know about God? Do I know some facts? Do I know some wrong facts? 
some right facts about God, or do I know God? And I want us to take it a step farther if, based on what we see in Scripture. Does God know you? Now, that might set off some alarm bells. You might be like, well, God's God. He knows everything. He, I mean, he literally knows everything. But Jesus told us, and throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus will tell some people when it comes time for the judgment, he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And that comes from Matthew chapter 7. I'm, it's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read a couple of verses for you. Listen to this. Are you known by God? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That was verse 24. You have to be grounded in the word of God and do what it says if not only do you want to know God, but be known by him. Today, we would love to help you. If you don't truly know Jesus and you're not known by him, the Bible is so crystal clear that if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the only way of salvation, then you've got to repent, turn around like we said. Confess him as King of kings and Lord of lords. And when you meet him in faith, in baptism, he washes away your sin and he gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And then you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that not only do you know God, but he knows you. Because when God looks at you after you've been clothed in Christ at baptism, when he comes to on the day of judgment, when he looks at you, he will not see you. He will see the perfection of Jesus Christ, his son. You will be clothed in him. You will have his righteousness because your righteousness, my righteousness is not, a good, is not good enough. So if you want to be known by him and to know him, you've got to do what God's word says. And if you've done that, continue in the word every single day so that you can keep going in the right direction. Don't get turned around and that you can point other people on the same journey in the right direction and invite them in to get to know the God who loved them so much that he sent his son to die on the cross. You didn't really deserve to know, but by the grace of God, somebody told you. They may not truly deserve to know, but the offer is for everybody. So let's get in the Word, and let's share the Word. Let's stand, let's worship. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.